Hi and welcome to Curious Mind in Progress. I'm your host Louisa and today I have a very special episode and guest for you. I'm joined by the wonderful Sungju. Yeah, I pronounced that correctly. Cool. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, just uh, everything related to body dysmorphia, body image, diet culture, and our experiences with um, that and also with our eating disorder. Um, so we wanted to put a trigger warning in the beginning just in case anyone of you that is listening has been struggling with um, an ED or is currently struggling because I think that we will dig deep and discuss everything in detail and if that triggers you and harms you in any way, please do not um, listen any further than this. If you wanna follow and listen to voiced vulnerabilities, and definitely check that out on Instagram. I'll link it in the description box. And um, Sungju is also studying at the UVA, as I'm going to study as well. That's how we connected. And uh, yeah, just follow her too. <laughs> okay. So we're good to start? Yes. So to me, I think diet culture is always something has always been something that's kind of more about science, which I don't really understand, and no one ever questions or questioned um, dieting itself. It's more like, oh, if you're obese or overweight, you should diet so that you lose weight, and it never works. Like for many people, they just don't lose weight or they regain even more. Um, and no one has ever questioned the dieting itself. I, I feel like everyone's always questioning themselves and their own ability to be disciplined enough and to be um, uh, strong enough about it and to just do it. So um, that is something that gets me started in the beginning and like with this whole f uh, thought process of maybe it's not our fault and maybe the system is just... Um, yeah, what's wrong, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole thing is like they're all fad diets, right? It's all yeah. from like the industries wanting to gain advantage of us feeling insecure about ourselves. And they're basically taking, yeah, as I said, taking advantage, profiting from us feeling insecure, feeling like we're not enough, putting all these like, you know, impossible standards, models, and just ideals that people need to reach up to it doesn't even need to be like people who are obese there are still people who are perfect you know like perfectly sized like i'm not saying that there is a perfect size but i'm just saying a healthy person is still pressured to lose weight because of you know what the beauty industry says what the media says and as you said, is like such a horrible, like, it's a horrible, like, society and culture manifested in, into so many young girls, so many men, and just women, and, um, yeah, it just produces such, like, a dissatisfaction about a person's body that isn't even, like, actually there, that the standard isn't even actually there. 
And I think it's also a standard that's not, you're not able to fully reach it. Like you're never going to reach that standard and 1% of people looks like that. And that just leaves me wondering um, how, like you're never going to be satisfied with your body if you strive for something that's impossible to reach. And an example that I've, that's just for me the, the best example to give basically is, I don't know if you know the supermodel, she's called Romy Strid, she's also Dutch. And um, she, and she's like really, she was really trained, really thin, like Victoria's Secret Angel. And she couldn't get her period for six years. She was infertile for six, like she wasn't able to be what she was born to do, uh, being a woman, like she couldn't get kids. So when she wanted to, to get pregnant, she had to stop working out the way she um, was used to and had to start doing yoga and Pilates, like softer uh, ways of working out because she was just working out six to seven hours a day to be able to look like that. And honestly, as a working person, that lives her day-to-day -day life, you don't have capacity to work out for such a long amount of time. That's just... Yeah. And that's, that's exactly me. Because people are taking, like, bodybuilders or, like, you know, fitness, fitness, like, YouTubers and models who use that as, like, a job. They do that, like, 24-7. But people are using that as, like, a standard that they should reach, but that's not an attainable lifestyle if yeah. you're a student or, as you said, if you're working. And it really, it really gets me questioning um, just how malicious, like, the beauty industry is. Really using that 1% and saying that that is the normal body, that is the beautiful body that everyone should have. Making, yeah, making young girls really insecure. Yes, exactly. And then we start to believe that that is the body um to have and i've just it just happened yesterday that i showed i'm reading a book that has like a cover on it with an old picture or a picture of an like an older woman like from the 1800s i think and back then the beauty standard was completely different like it was pretty to have like curves and a belly because it showed that you have the money to eat well and to eat a lot and to be really nourished and my little sister, she's nine at the moment, and she was like, ew, that's so gross, that's fat. And that just leaves me wondering, because we're so programmed to think that fatness, and the woman, like, she wasn't fat, she was just curvy, um, that we perceive that as disgusting or, like, not normal, um, overweight, whatever those uh, terms or names you want to call it. And that's that just really shows me that nothing there's no real or good body uh, type because it's all relative and it's it all goes down to how we were raised and what kind of went into the image that society created. So just yeah. accept the body you have because every type is perfect and every body type is good. Also, sorry for the vacuuming that's going on in the background. I hope it's not too bad. <laughs> about how you're raised I just wanted to also give an example 
um, of how kind of I was raised in Korea. I don't know in other places, but in Asian cultures, there is an immense amount of like obsession over um, appearances. So, for example, if we're in like a big family gathering, the first thing that um, like my aunt or my uncle, anyone would mention is my appearance or someone else's appearance. So, oh, you've gained weight. Oh, you've lost weight. How pretty. Or, oh, like your nose is kind of like handsome or like, oh, your nose is bad, but at least your eyes save it. That's kind of like the first thing that people say, like literally, yeah. literally in like family gatherings. Um, so I was kind of raised in the culture where, you know, I was taught that being fat or overweight, having like being a bit chubby was the equivalent of ugly and being a bit skinny was the equivalent of pretty and being feminine. So that was also how it's programmed and how it could be programmed in younger girls. And there's one example that really, really broke my heart. And this was around like when I was in high school and there was a girl who was around five, six years old and she was a bit on the chubbier side, but it was because like she was very tall compared to the other classmates. Um, but she comes up to me and she says, what is your, what is your, um, what is the magic? Like, what is your tip Secret, of yeah. losing weight? That's what she told me. And oh I was shocked God. that a five-year-old who should be just worried about, you know, her friends and like playing outside and just having fun with all the foods that she could have. She was concerned with losing weight and her body image. That just shocked me so much and how much it's been manifested in society and how early you're on it's being um yeah inflicted on little girls and boys yeah yeah that's something we we can maybe talk about later that it's also happening to boys but i mean uh the main group of uh people that's happening to is uh girls or women but um, I have a similar example as well. And I mean, I've been raised in like a German culture. So I guess it really doesn't matter what culture you're raised in. It's, it's, I think it's pretty similar um, in every culture. But I mean, from what I've heard um, in Korea, it's more extreme that, they, that the first thing they ask you is like, oh, did you lose weight? Did you gain weight? Why does it matter? <laughs> um, they should ask you, oh, did you become smarter? Did you learn more? Did you study? How, how, is, how is life? But um, anyways, I'm, I don't want to judge. Um, but my little cousin, she's six now. And she has two best friends. And they're like really, really, really skinny. But sometimes kids are like that. I was like that as well. I just, I wouldn't gain weight even if I would eat a lot. So whatever, everybody's different. And um, they'd say, like they'd call, they would call her fat. She's not fat. She's a, she's six years old. She has a normal body. And my cousin, she loves to eat. She loves food. She's really passionate about it. She gets really excited. And then she was starting to worry like, oh, do I eat too much? Uh, am I really fat? Like they, like they said, um, is that really the truth? And then she, she kind of had like a stomach ache after eating her, at her grandma's and that would continue for like two weeks and would get better um but then worse again but then she would get thinner because you know she would not eat as much um and she started to like it and like go to my to my aunt and be like oh you see my stomach is more flat she's six years old what the hell and it just it hurts my heart because she shouldn't even worry she shouldn't even begin to form a thought where she worries about what her appearance is like with six years old and it, it really scares me that it starts so early and I don't even know how to approach that because you don't want to put too much weight into that whole subject you don't want to 
give it too much of a thought, I guess. But on the other hand, you have to because otherwise she will just confront herself with that over and over again. And I just really hope that she doesn't really see those friends anymore but then seriously we're girls why are sh girls shaming girls that's a whole nother subject um but that just scares me that little girls are saying that to each other when she's so far away from being fat and even if she were to be fat that's not your comment to make it's not a nice way to it's just i don't know i was just at a loss for words when i heard that and um yeah, yeah. how frustrating and stressful it is because you know the consequences of it like the long-term consequences of it because once you struggle with body image and that continues on it can develop into body dysmorphia and body dysmorphia goodness is like an extreme version of like struggling with body image yes. like you know like how your cousin saw herself as fat when she was actually quite skinny that's a form of body dysmorphia already. Seeing yourself in the mirror and seeing kind of another body size, that's body dysmorphia. Seeing your face and obsessing over a small thing and thinking that turns you into a monster, that's, a bo that's body dysmorphia. And it kind of gets ingrained in your mind and it's constantly kind of there and makes you anxious um, just to look in the mirror and to even accept yourself. So this is a huge like self-image yes but also like self-confidence um problem that girls are facing yeah and i don't know if i think i have like a personal experience to share with that um i mean with like an eating disorder or body dysmorphia there's always ups and downs it's never linear sometimes you're better sometimes you're worse um and i've just had that experience like i think one and a half weeks ago where i was mentally okay but i look in the mirror and literally it would look like my thighs went like this i would look in the mirror and it appeared to me as if it was growing bigger and i just i was looking in the mirror i was like how how is that how is that possible like i didn't take any drugs like i'm not under inf i'm not under any influence and it just appears huge gigantic when that is so far from uh reality and yeah just to support your um what you were saying that's really scary to me and that just shows me that it is an illness and that even this uh, body dysmorphia is an illness and I feel like it's even more commonly spread than um, EDs. I think um, that can be obsessing over a pimple in your face and obsessing over your ears or your nose like you said. Um, but yeah, it all goes into each other yeah, and it's connected. Yeah. Well, since you've opened up with your personal experience, <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. So I've been also struggling, like for me, even calling it that, first of all, um, as someone that's not underweight and that um, manages to eat like at least two meals a day most of the time, I never felt like I had the rights to speak about that or to even call it that. I think the first time I even called it that name was like one and a half months ago or something. Um, and for me, it started when I was like 16 and I would go to the gym and work out and it just started in ways of like punishing myself for eating certain foods. And then at some point it was so bad that I couldn't go to the gym anymore. And then I just said, I have to stop now because it's becoming unhealthy and I don't want it to be like this. 
Um, so I stopped working out completely and had to like find a new way of liking it. And that I did through yoga because it's more of a spiritual thing. And you don't work out to become skinny or to become trained, but you work out to become fit and healthy. And then I was fine for a while. And um, then I got the mono cue. Do you know what that is? The mono Q something is the fever you get. And um, I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It's like some sometimes you get it when you're younger and then you have like mm -hmm. fever and um, a throat infection or you can get a cold and it just goes on for a few months even. But I was lucky enough to only have it for a month. But anyways, I wasn't able to eat for one and a half weeks because my throat was so swollen. And then I got really, really skinny and almost underweight, like for my size and like what I weighed. And I liked it. I loved it. And that's when the fear of like gaining weight again started. And um, when I started working out again and all those things, and then it was kind of getting better again. And then I went to Canada and what, what I said in the beginning um, when we, we weren't recording yet, um, the, the lady I stayed with, she... Um, I'm trying to keep it brief, but the lady I stayed with, she said like, oh, are you sure you want to eat that much during the day? Like you said, you only wanted to eat when you're hungry. Why are you eating so much? And she, she meant it out of a different context, but it triggered me so hard that I would only eat breakfast and I was like starving the whole day and I wouldn't eat. And then at night we only had like vegetables. Um, so I wasn't really satisfied with that. And then I would just eat everything I could find in the kitchen. So it was more like, I guess binge eating um and there were some times where I'd, like throw up but that wasn't really my thing and then when I came home I would only eat twice a day and like fast 16 hours and not eat sweet stuff so to me that wasn't really an eating disorder but I knew that I had an, an unhealthy way of consuming food and thinking about it and it would also consume my thoughts all the time so that's when I realized okay this is not normal or what what it's supposed to be and like I said then I was fine again or I kind of got into intuitive eating which is really nice I don't know if you've heard of that yeah I've heard of it and it's really helpful intuitive oh that's so nice um yeah 10 out of 10 recommend getting into that because to me that's the only way to I don't really that's like um if you've known dieting and you've known intuitive eating intuitive eating is like the holy grail and like the, that that's where I want to be at someday. Um, and then um, I went to Berlin and worked at a movie set and there like meals were very planned and we had a lot of food available always and I would gain like weight and would feel really uncomfortable like fat like I was I've never uh, weighed so much. Oh, and I also, what I completely forgot is that I stopped taking um, the female hormones and then my body completely changed and I gained like almost 10 kilos and I was so unhappy. And that's when it also kind of all started. And when the experience in Canada, they, it kind of all played together and I was not happy with my body for a year. I hated it. Like I not happy and I would feel overweight and even knowing I wasn't didn't matter. And um, then I started, when I was in Berlin, working on the movie set, I just felt like I had lost all of my control, like over what I would put into my body, when, why. And then I started to try to not eat as much and even throw up sometimes and all those things. And I couldn't work out because I just couldn't get myself to do it. I was like so frustrated with the whole subject that, yeah, I, I don't know 
you can you're gonna speak about later as well but I find working out really hard when I'm in a really bad headspace um which is kind of ironic because you need that to get better but but you cannot I couldn't get myself to do it and then it kind of got even it just got mentally really bad for me and I always tried to balance out what I would eat by skipping meals, not eating, working out a lot. And even if I was tired, I would I'd still try to get myself to work out and go for really long walks and just try to burn it off and would only have my, let myself have food when I burned off something. Um, and then even throwing up regularly. And um, yeah, then I came home, um, went to my dad's where it, it was really bad as well, but I, I didn't know how to like speak speak to him. And then I came back to my mom's and I, I started telling her and really calling at that because I was so trapped in my head and so stressed by it um, that I was like, okay, even if even if I'm not underweight, like there's something that I want to speak about and that's atypical anorexia and I don't think that many people know about it. And you said, or I'm not, I'm not going to speak for you, you can speak about that later as well, but that's something I wrote about and learned about and was really easy for me to... Uh, or it was easier for me to accept that I have that in a sense after knowing that that exists. So even if you're not underway and you don't fit all the boxes, um, you can still have an eating disorder even if it's just mild. And I kind of don't want to get into everything that I did uh, so much anymore because I've already been talking for uh, a long time now. But I just, I know that I have to change something because in my mind... I'm still stressed by it and at the moment it's fine but I know it's going to get worse again and it has been worse again it's just ups and downs and you're worthy of getting therapy even if you don't check all the boxes and it's so important to get help even if you're not underweight because at some point you're going to be if you're going to continue and um, the best example for me is someone that weighs 120 kilos and starts to lose 10 kilos in a week can have an eating disorder because it's not normal to lose 10 kilos in a certain amount of time um, or however many kilos and we don't see him as anorexic because he's not thin but that's the worst place you can be at is severely underweight and um, it's the most like the illness is the most common uh, illness for people to die off of so just seek help even if you have yeah if you don't check all the boxes that's just what I what I have to tell myself because I'm not there yet at all and for me it's hard to be like oh I deserve therapy and I deserve to call it that and I deserve to speak about it um like I said in the beginning um but yeah just it's hard and it's a struggle and I, I feel like for everyone it's going to be a struggle for the rest of their lives not to be negative but we're going to be faced with different phases um, throughout our whole lives and especially with co uh, Corona. But um, yeah, it's just so important to take care of ourselves, basically, and to be healthy and happy. And um, there's so there's so much more to life than this. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, so right now, are you getting therapy or not? Uh, not yet, but I've applied and um, my mom is also really behind that um, trying to get me to do it and it's kind of hard in Germany at the moment because there's not a lot of capacity and you mostly get waitlisted and it just takes time but I really need to get behind that but I'm on it let's just say that and at the moment I'm better so <laughs> okay. yeah it's, it's let's celebrate good. that though that your yeah. mom, mom like is supportive and 
you applied that's like a huge step yeah for sure and that's also something sharing and opening up is so scary but so rewarding and i highly encourage everyone to find someone to talk about it with and to just get support and that can even be a number you can call um we're also going to link them in the description box like numbers you can call um if you're if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to um yeah and yeah thank you for listening um and maybe you want to share now i don't know yeah if you feel ready my general mental health experience but I didn't really get deep into it so basically when it started was high school um when I was around 15 16 years old actually same as you Louisa um but first I was very into veganism I just liked you know like the new lifestyle and you know like advocating for the environment and um animals but soon it became kind of like an obsession like i unintentionally started losing weight and started working out a lot people started complimenting me so that was kind of like positively reinforced and yeah i was like super obsessed for around like two three years you know like about getting abs and um just being super fit and always i remember always Every day at school, I was packing a salad for lunch every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, honestly, I didn't know that I was struggling, but I was definitely because I was very insecure and a lot of my self-worth was based on how I looked um, and how much I weighed because I felt quite mm, unnoticed and I felt like people started noticing me because I started losing weight. So that started, yeah, in high school, and then going to university really was the tough one because I lost all like my support system. Because in high school, I had my parents, I had my friends. You know, I still had threads holding me up, but it was all cut down. You know, when I went to university because I was all alone, and it was really tough mentally, really, also physically. But yeah, that's when I really went into like anorexia I would say and started eating less and less um just really eating vegetables only um and I myself didn't even know that I was losing weight because when I looked in the mirror I looked super fat (laughs) this is you know when body dysmorphia comes in like I would look in the mirror constantly um like even hours a day just like picking at all like my flaws and like sobbing over like how monstrous I look like even though I didn't um it's really disastrous to the mind um but yeah so um it kind of started with that and I started like losing my memory started losing things and I remember this one day I was just so weak and so out of my mind and my headspace was super just foggy that I broke, like, five pieces of, like, my glassware or, like, my plates (laughs) because I I was just so weak and just so undernourished. Um, But, yeah, it was really tough um, because, like, depression and, like, anxiety came in together with, like, anorexia, and I tried to seek treatment, but unfortunately I also got weight listed and it took me 
like six months to get my first therapist, but it didn't really work out. So second time actually, um, it did work out and I finally got my therapist, but it wasn't like eating disorder specialist. Um, but anyways, I was still trying to hold on to anything, you know, that could help me. So I just happily like agreed to it. But, um, actually going back, I have to like explain this a bit better. So 2019 was when I started university and my health, my physical health and mental health started deteriorating. And, um, December around then was when I hit my depression and anxiety got worse. And, um, 2020 when Corona hit, I actually went back to Korea because things were online. So I was still doing, you know, school online, but it was then that my mom started telling me like, you are looking super underweight. Um, like, yeah, like I could see like my bones sticking out everywhere and I thought I was fat, which is horrifying. It's terrifying because it could have been a really like bad situation if I was alone. Like it could have been a case where I was, you know, sent to like the emergency room or whatever because I was so undernourished. Um, but that kind of like woke me up into thinking, yeah, I really have a problem and I need to fix this. So I started like actually eating much more and I actually started this thing called um, All In going all in. I don't know if you know it, but it kind of, like, there's a YouTuber called Stephanie Buttermore, and she was very undernourished too, just super obsessed with, like, muscle building. She's actually a fitness YouTuber, but um, she was really, like, weak and fatigued and just, like, really foggy. So she basically decided to eat as much as she could until she was full. So basically, when you are in a constant calorie deficit for such a long time that kind of adds up so you have that amount of calorie deficit that you're in and the body kind of wants to get that back and the amount of calories that you have lot like that you have missed is just tremendous so when you start fueling your body again it the body immediately reacts the brain reacts and just says like feed me feed me feed me so what happened to me was that I ate a lot (laughs) I really like a lot and it scared me so much and I think I don't really recommend it to anyone without researching it and without looking into a nutritionist with a nutritionist or therapist because it can be like traumatic the amount of food that you eat especially when you're not prepared for it and I think that kind of happened to me um so but I did gain the weight that I had to which was kind of like the healthy weight but even after that I struggled and you know I was working out a lot and had to maintain that and when I went back to the Netherlands it kind of went bad again and it actually developed into binge eating disorder so I experienced kind of like a lot of the types of the eating disorders so in the Netherlands when I got back um, I started with a therapist that I mentioned and at this point as I mentioned I had gained weight and it was kind of like in the healthy range so at first she diagnosed me with anorexia but later on <laughs> this was actually quite shocking because she wasn't an eating disorder specialist and she told me this was online by the way she told me to weigh myself 
best oh trigger ever for someone yeah. who has an eating disorder. I was terrified, but, you know, I was like, oh, she's a therapist, so maybe she knows what she's doing. So I got on the scale, and I, like, completely broke down. <laughs> and I was in shock for, like, months after that. And basically, when I told her my weight, she said that I wasn't anorexic because I didn't meet the criteria, which, again, I think is ridiculous because anorexia isn't just about fitting the BMI. Like, it's ridiculous how people, like medical professionals and therapists still use the BMI as, like, a measuring tool of whether or not you have anorexia because the difference of anorexia and bulimia are huge. Um even like the criteria for it are slightly different um but basically she told me that i didn't suffice for anorexia so she just um put me into bulimia um which was fine but it was kind of weird because i felt like i was too fat to be anorexic <laughs> um but anyways like i just wanted to say like a re- like couple of reasons actually why the BMI is completely false and should not be followed. Actually, the new DSM-5, if you know, it's like the diagnostic tool for like the mental disorders. Um, actually, BMI, according to NPR, I researched this. Um, it was actually founded by a mathematician called Qualitet. And he specifically said that it's not a way for an individual to, to indicate an individual level of fatness. Second of all, there's no proportion of like bone, muscle to fat, like none of that. Third of all, like there are sharp boundaries and it's hinged on decimal places. So basically, if you're like 18.9, then you're anorexic. But if you're 19.0 or above, then you're not anorexic. Yeah, so and that makes, was just makes super, super hilarious for me and just super messed up, which is why I would love to like talk about atypical anorexia like sometime later on if we if we do have the opportunity because it's such a huge thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so after that, like I was much more in shock and more anxious. And yeah, and then I started, yeah, I started with binge eating because I was just so anxious and that's just the way... I coped with my emotions. Binge eating episodes are not fun. Because <laughs> you eat until your stomach is uncomfortably full. But the only response that you can have is just stuffing yourself to like press away those emotions. And it was just like an extremely, extremely dark time for me. And I am not ashamed of it because a lot of people equate it with shame but honestly binge eating disorder is three times more common than anorexia um so i am opening up about this actually kind of for the first time in public but yeah i started binge eating and obviously i gained weight like 10 kilos or whatever and i hated myself for yeah like being overweight not even overweight but just looking in the mirror and as you said like seeing like huge thighs huge arms even though it wasn't you know yeah so yeah that's where i am i'm going to therapy but it's not like specialized so it's not that effective but i am kind of tackling the things that are kind of underlying so i am getting better um but as you said once you struggle with an eating 
this order, you kind of um, keep it with you for life. Um, not to be discouraging, because once you once you pick up kind of like the mechanisms, um, the coping mechanisms, and you know, once you are able to detect, you know, when your eating disorder thoughts come in, then you will be able to fend for yourself. But yeah, that's where I am. I'm still struggling, like you are, Lisa, and it is super hard. And really, it's not fun. <laughs> No. It's not fun when your whole life is revolved around food and counting how much you have eaten and how much you have um, worked it off and how good you look or how worthy you are based on how skinny you are. And that's why that's why we're talking about this because we know that a lot of people struggle with it because of the very toxic diet culture. I know a lot of listeners are a part of the listeners are probably affected by diet culture body image, body dysmorphia, and even probably an eating disorder or eating disorders. But just want to say, you're not alone. No. <laughs> it's terrible, but you're not alone. Um, and there are tools out there. Follow, like, follow body positive, like, Instagrammers, yes. you know, that know how to embrace their flaws, embrace their curves, you know, embrace whatever body type, like, that's what I do. I follow like so many different body types so that I don't program my brain that skinny is good. Yeah. I kind of try to like cancel that and canceling that is super hard, but that's why we should focus on it more. We should be more passionate, be more empowered to pour out our energy into deprogramming that thing that diet culture has installed in our brains. Yeah, but that was my story. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing and being super vulnerable but um i like i benefited from it and um i think many will benefit from this and yeah applause to you and um plus to us yeah for sharing (laughs) because um yeah it's hard you judge yourself so you're obviously scared of judgment from others um and that can be tough. But um, the Instagram thing you just mentioned, I mostly don't understand. Like, I started unfollowing um, just, like, pages like Bella Hadid or Kendall Jenner. Like, all those models. Because I don't want to see that. I don't want to look at it. And I don't want to have that um, installed in my brain. And someone I recommend following, her name is Ava Jules. I don't know. I know. She's so lovely. I love her so much. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you know her too. And her body type is so normal. And it. she also speaks about it. And I remember, like, I think it was a year ago. And she uploaded a video where she speaks about just body confidence and the whole subject. And I could relate so hard. And I was so thankful for that video because it made me feel, like, a thousand percent better. And also realizing that just by working out you cannot change your whole body you have genes you have bones you have a structure and that's okay and it's good the way it is and even if you work out a lot you will never look like that if you just don't have the genetics and you don't have to like we all can just look the way we look and um i just think it's scary how it can go from one extreme to the other extreme um and I've had like the binge eating thing as well, not as much, but just this like stuffing, stuffing, stuff until you can't anymore. And um, my reaction was always, I don't know, just having to get rid of it um, because it was just there was so much I couldn't handle. 
But, uh, yeah, me, just what I've noticed by listening to you is that I feel underqualified again, like not qualifying as this anorexia thing. And like you said, maybe we can get into that now um, to just accept your own story and not compare. Because what I think is something that's really big in this whole ED community is competition. Why Why is everyone comparing um, and wanting to be worse? You know yeah. what I mean? This is yeah, so triggering. It's, it's so triggering. It's like, like in our brains, when we're suffering with like anorexia, like the points add up whenever you see yourself lose weight. So it's like, oh, if I'm skinnier than her, it means that I'm doing better at this. Yeah. And like, in your anorexic brain, that's just the only only good thing. Yeah. Like the, the good thing that you're doing, and it's unfortunate, but that's just how it works. Um, it's really toxic. Yeah. yeah, and social media doesn't really. I think it's it's such a big part of it. That's just the only way I can explain it to myself is why that's I feel increased so much over the years. Um, just this false um portraying of things, and then this whole platform. For competition and comparing and comparison is what it started at all so um maybe we should just all stop comparing and um even comparing it with our younger selves that was really hard for me as someone that has always been titled as um underweight and i've been like i wasn't anorexic and kids in my school would call me anorexic or a stick because i was so thin and it just wasn't it's not your fault the way you look like you just look like that and then when you start becoming normal quoting like it's not there's no normal but starting to become more um gaining more weight um when you hit puberty it's like whoa i'm becoming fat because you're only used to yourself as this like it's your identity it just becomes your part of your identity and that's so scary when that changes and um when you start identifying yourself with your weight like you've mentioned earlier that's just when it becomes toxic because you only love yourself when you're skinny like and you can only love yourself when you look a certain way and that's so hard to maintain also what i want to get into is as women we have hormones that change every day we're never the same it changes every day and it's not possible to have the same body as a woman your whole life it is impossible it doesn't work even if you don't get kids you're going to change and evolve and that's that's okay it's, it's okay. It's okay to have a little pouch in your belly because you need that to function. And um, yeah, in this patriarchic world, I guess, because it's a man's world, it's hard for us to, as women, kind of fit into that. Because for men, it's more linear. They don't have, they're not as influenced by hormones. They don't take birth control and all those things. Um, yeah. That's what makes it, I think, even harder for women to accept themselves. And why it's maybe more spread and more common in women. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know how toxic it is. You don't know how much consequence. Because, like, once you compliment a person about losing weight, mm. then that person equates their identity, like how I did, with yeah. being skinny. And that's just so messed up. And honestly, like, you don't know. Maybe that person was going through depression and was not, like, was were starving themselves did not have yeah. the energy to eat and you're equating that to goodness you know yeah and 
that's really messed up and we should please stop doing that um if we're all wise and if we're all educated enough we know that bodies change like Louisa said we just accept that and like i said please be careful about commenting on people's bodies yeah that's really true because one sentence can change everything and another example for that is Princess Diana. We know her all if you watch documentary. Uh, Charles is his name. Yes. He said one sentence. I'm not even going to say that sentence because I don't think it deserves to be said again. And she had bulimia for six years because of that one sentence. I mean, she was already she was already insecure. But um, anyways, you never know what it can do. And yeah, I totally agree. So do you want to add anything before we... Um, wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, this has been quite a long one, but I think it has been all so like yeah valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Anything to add? I would say um yeah like (laughs) what helps me? What helps me, girls or guys, whatever? Yeah. Um, is I picture myself in the future like. I'm 70 years old or 80 years old, sitting on my comfy couch or whatever, being a grandma, um, looking back, like, will I really say, oh my gosh, I had such a snatched waist when I was 20 years old? (laughs) Yeah, no. Would I say that? Will I be happy saying that after all the tears and all the mental, mental strain that I put myself through it? No, No. I'm going to regret it. Or would I say, I'm so glad that I was free from food and all those ED, not all, but like some of the ED thoughts and was able to live freely and express myself. Like that really helps me a lot because I don't want to regret, I don't want to spend a whole chunk of my life worrying about this, worrying about how I look and forget how to live my life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, Anything you want to add to wrap this up? Um, no, not really. Just just maybe um if like don't compare yourself to what we just said if your ed looks different that's okay too and you're where you're seeking help even if it's not as bad if you feel stressed by it and if you feel pressured to look a certain way and just get therapy because it can never do any harm and it's okay if your story is different your story doesn't have to be the same that's all i want to say all right thank you so much yeah thank you as well this is going to be so long but um yeah, it was so nice talking to you. And I can't wait to uh, hear and see everyone on the next episode. I hope you like this. If you enjoyed, uh, subscribe and follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>